You're listening to episode 114 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Oh, hey, Pete's back. Hey, Pete, remember... Hey, Phil, hang on, shut up. Okay. This week on the Discord, uh, <laughs> the Longbox Boys compared us to uh, the women on The View. Oh, that's cool. So I would like to take a second to figure out who is who. Am I the whoopee of the group? Ah, shit, who's even on that? <laughs> you have eyebrows. In in what universe are you the whoopee of the group? Her name means sex. Listen, she's cranky. She uh, can't handle things in her ears, which we all know I can't. I did not know that about you. She is the former star of Ghost, which, obviously. Is Kale Patrick Swayze? Is that what I'm supposed to take away from this all bit? Right. <laughs> no, but but I think uh, Marco might be Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, for sure. Is she on that? She was. Past oh. tense. Past tense. Marco's not Rosie O'Donnell. Are you high? <laughs> <laughs> I think Phil is Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, if I'm... anything. That's the best Sean, comparison. The highly I've combative, liberable person. Yeah, yeah. Sean is obviously Barbara Walters. I could be Barbara Walters. I, I, like I think that's that's the only good comparison that's been made so far. <laughs> Sean, I thought it was weird how Sean got a little bit turned on right then. <laughs> no, it could be. He's Barbara like, Walters, right. man. All right. I'm with that. She hasn't been on the show since 2014. Okay. Barbara Walters? <laughs> I love how Marco went from being what is, like, who's on The View, and now he's a historian. Right. It's <laughs> my mode, Editor Marco. I had a phase. I had a phase where I was obsessed with the view. I don't know why I'm saying this. But <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, everyone, Let's shut this. Everyone, everyone, shut up. Sean, what? <laughs> I just, I don't know. There was a period of time where I just really needed to watch the view. Like if, like I'd watch their videos on YouTube. Uh, I liked watching the, the arguments and the hot segments. I need you to explain where you were emotionally <laughs> and also why all right all right well first of all i you know i liked rosie's phase where she was um like super combative and way about like schooling people <laughs> on the view about you know 911 and uh, the government and stuff like I that. Like, I like that Sean calls her Rosie. Like they're on a first name basis, you know. I, I met Rosie. All right, like he's he's one of four people that watch the View. They are on a first hey, name basis. Hey, <laughs> this show's been around for many years. You think there's only four people watching it? Listen, it's very popular. I liked when Elizabeth Hasselback was on the show because she brought so much heat. Elizabeth Hasselback is like <laughs> the Mad Murphy of the View. Uh, because she's such a bitch, right? But you still kind of want to hear what she has to say, and she's always wrong. But when she's wrong, she, like, hides behind the shit people who support her, like the people in the Longbox Discord, and they tore Rosie apart, but Rosie was always right. That's our, that's our relationship. That's absolutely our dynamic. Um, so yeah, but no, I really enjoyed the view for a while there. So wait, Sean, who's Pete? Ooh, um, Pete is Sherry Shepard. See, I was gonna say I was gonna say Raven Simone. 
That's not my era. Was Raven Simone on the View? Yeah, yeah. I'm not. She is now. Yeah, yeah. that's so Raven. She, she and Meg- <laughs> <laughs> she and uh, Megan McCain are on now. I think. Yes, yes. Oh, that's Hold unfortunate. On. Who am I? I'm trying to look this up. You're Sherry Shepard. Sherry Shepard is a large black woman who's very <laughs> boisterous and a lot of fun. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of hers. And, uh, yeah, she always had good takes, but she was more like, she had good takes, but she wasn't the aggressor. I'm Abby Huntsman, the current U.S. ambassador to Russia under Trump. <laughs> this is not what this show's about. So we're also, do you, do you feel good about that, Marco? No, hold on. Before we move on. <laughs> I have the P-tape then, yeah. I feel very good about that. Oh. You're definitely Rosie Perez, by the way. I, just so you I know. believe. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yo, dude, I, I knew I recognized her. This is this is the lady who was on 30 Rock. She's the ham horn lady. This is perfect. I'm very happy with this. I'll take care <laughs> of Shepard. <laughs> there you go. Kel, I doubted you at first when you kind of led us down this alley, but you know what? This turned out to be my favorite segment of all time. <laughs> this I has know, been, yeah, this has been a really rich area. This is probably my favorite conversation we've ever had on the show. <laughs> favorite news segment? Boom, this. Not, uh, maybe it is news now. Uh, breaking news. Sean obsessed with The View. Incredible. Uh, no. So we've got a big show. This is our end of the year slash first of the year episode. Our podcast release in a weird space where for us it's the last. For you guys it's the first. Um, so we'll be getting into all of our best of and predictions later on. And I've got a nice little surprise. I've also got packed with me our predictions from last year. So we're going to get to see just how wrong each of you were. I will say this, Barry to lead. I was right about the best movie of 2018. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, but before we get into that, I do want to let you guys know where it is that you can find us all over the web. We are the Comics Pals on all your favorite podcast hosting platforms like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, etc., etc. We're not on uh, Spotify yet because we suck just a little bit, but we'll get on there eventually. Um, we are at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, thank you very much. Make sure to leave us a like, drop us a comment, subscribe to our channel, and share this with your friends. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. So, hook us up with that support. Um, Before we move into the rest of the show, I do want to say a couple more words about... um, The View. Our dear enemies, the Longbox Podcast. Actually, no. I I do like Tyler. Tyler's great. Uh, And Tyler, Tyler's a great guy. Yeah, he, he he came to our defense just a little bit uh, in the conversation that they had on their most recent episode. Uh, for us, it's Saturday morning, and there's their episode dropped uh, this morning, so I took a little bit of time and I listened to the. F- yeah, what did they say? Yeah. Explain to us that don't listen to the show. <laughs> I listened to the first eight minutes of their best of episode, and uh, they spent those eight minutes talking about us, which uh, weird. I, for for a podcast that claims to be so much better than us, they sure talk about us a lot. You're quite right, and for a podcast that's as short as theirs, that's a quite that's quite a bit of chunk of time. You mentioned how <laughs> long our show is. Well, in our timeline, because our show is so long, you're a footnote in our world. Oh, damn! Also, you guys listen to it. 
Why do you complain if you listen to it? <laughs> just like the fans of Monday Night Raw, right? So, yeah, it's exactly uh, like that. <laughs> it's yes. too long, but I still tune in every week. Exactly. So, you guys, well, Matt really in particular, uh, I- I'm going to critique you now since you're interested in critiquing me. Uh, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to tell you what's wrong with your show. So you tried to cut a promo on us, right? You spent eight minutes on it. You couldn't put together one coherent sentence. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't stop talking about LiveJasmine.com, right? You couldn't you, you, you couldn't put, don't want to know what that is. No, you don't. Um, you couldn't stop talking over each other to get a word in edgewise. And there's only two people on this podcast. Here's a message for you, boys. If you want to play in the big leagues, you got to come correct. Matt, you got to learn how to speak proper English. You have to learn how to deliver your lines in a way that gets the people excited. You got to learn how to deliver your lines in a way that makes money, that generates cash. You got to learn how to do this thing that we call podcasting. Now, if you want me to teach you, after I beat your ass on Sunday... After I smash you to the ground, I'll pull you aside, and I'll teach you how it's done. No charge. Because, Matt, I take pity on you. You think that you're going to be able to step into my world, the podcasting world, or the smash world, and tell me, tell me that you can kick my ass? Well, after Sunday... All the people at home who watch this, everybody who's going to be in the room are going to know one thing. That in every facet of this thing that we do, myself and the people that I move with, the people that I podcast with, we're a cut above. That's all I got, Matt. So I'll see you Sunday. By God! Damn. The gauntlet has been thrown down! No, 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 Pete. My man's been broken in half. <laughs> Hey, Matt, that hemorrhoid cream probably works for burns, too. (laughs) My man's arms are too short to box with God. That's what just happened there. I tell you what. You can say Sean is full of a lot of things. It ain't disingenuous bullshit. I tell you that right now. (laughs) Man, so what else am I filled with? Thought that was all I was made up of. All I know is we spent too long talking about a podcast that does not matter. You're right. So, we shall move on. And we will move on to the listener mail. Alright, so we got another letter from our buddy Ryan, who's been a uh, regular listener and writer in on this show. And he wrote in to say, Hi guys, now that the holiday haze has cleared, I think it's time we caught up. I want to start by telling my fifth favorite comic pal, Kale, that no matter how much he picks on me, he's still my boy. Eat shorts, Kale. In all seriousness, I want you all to know that I really do appreciate our regular back and forth because like you guys, I don't talk enough about comics in my daily life. Ah. Anyway, thanks again for doing the Klaus Book Club. While I do agree that it's a pretty straightforward book, that's okay with me because in my opinion, it's extremely well executed. Maybe it's because I romanticize Christmas and everything that comes with it, but Klaus is one of the best good versus evil stories you could possibly give me. I know that sounds simple on its face, but seeing the concept presented in this way has a profound emotional effect on me that I can't quite explain. 
On another note, I wasn't a father at the time that I read Klaus, but I am now, and reflecting on the child-centric parts of the story makes me think not only of my own childhood, which has long since passed, but also of my two-year-old son, whose childhood has just begun. As you can see, this story greatly affected me on a personal level, and holy shit does Dan Moore knock the art out of the park. It's True. epic and gritty with a dash of cartoonish whimsy. That's not, that's not something that should ever work, but he owns the hell out of it. Before I go, here's a torturous and unnecessary list of all the comics I acquired over the holidays. It's not necessary to read all of these aloud, but I'm going to. But I thought you'd appreciate more insight into my tastes. And since I know you'll recognize at least a few of these, I could also use a little help deciding which ones to tackle first. Hit us, Pete. So we've got Batman Year 100 by Pope. That's Midnight okay. Nation by JMS. Pride of Baghdad by BKV. Huh? Abbott by Ahmed. Uh, the Filth by Morrison, The Black Monday Murders, Volume 1 by Hickman, The Losers, Volume 1 by Diggle, The Punisher Max, Complete Collection, Volume 3 by Ennis, Stockgirl, Volume 1 by O'Malley, The Wicked and the Divine, Volume 1 by Gillen. Thank you. Thanks again for reading, guys. Hope you all had a happy and healthy holiday. Sincerely, Ryan. Uh, here's some book club books in there. Thanks for writing in, Ryan. Really appreciate it. Uh, that's quite a list of books you've got there. It's high-quality stuff. Uh, before we tackle that, I did want to say... Uh, yeah, we did the Klaus Book Club. Very happy to do that. Our first listener request there. So let us know what you guys think about it. It is out now. So go check that out. Show that some love. And uh, write in with your listener request for a book club. Um, if there's a book that you enjoy that you want to see what we think about or a book you think that you know we've not talked about that you'd like to hear our take on, um, Feel free to write in. We're, we'll definitely do it. So unless it's like Howard the Duck or something stupid like that. So um, we'll definitely do it. And so just, just you know, shoot us a message. Um, and I'm glad that Klaus affected you. Obviously, it didn't hit me the same way, but um, to each their own. And, I, and uh, all that matters is that you enjoyed it. So that's really cool, man. Yeah, you know what? You're right. The art was fantastic. And uh, it was an enjoyable book nonetheless. And frankly... Uh, Ryan, you've been writing to us for some time, and your emails are always so thoughtful. Uh, I, I I don't think I am alone when I say I'm very grateful that you write into our show. Oh yeah, what I, I love hearing from Ryan. No, here's, fuck you, here's, Gil. I don't want to listen to you pick on him. Yeah, number five, <laughs> <laughs> bottom of the barrel. Stay where you belong. You know what? I you guys, you must not be able to hear me from all the way down here. But how much long? How much longer are we gonna let him wipe our ass about? Get back in the fucking toilet. Klaus and picking him. I mean, what? I like it when people. Never mind. All right. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Back to the view. <laughs> so about these books that you mentioned, right. I think that's a great haul. Uh, obviously, Pride of Baghdad. We did a book club on that one very recently, so we're fans of that over here. Uh, the ones that stuck out to me in particular that I really enjoy, um, Abbott by Saladin Ahmed, is a great book. Um, I've sung its praises on this show before. I think it's really good. So I recommend reading that one for sure. And then the other one that, I, um, that I've that i read that I really love is uh, The Black Monday Murders. Yes, I have that and I haven't read it yet. Yeah, it's well Sean, worth your time. Go ahead. Have you been keeping up with that? I fell off after volume one, but uh, okay. I, I still I, I have the issues. I just haven't gotten around to reading them. Uh, but gotcha. volume one is stellar. But you have to like what it is that Jonathan Hickman does. He's a very out there writer. He's great. Um, and he doesn't really give you uh, – there's no hand-holding. So you really got to focus. Um, but if you do, you'll find a really good book there. You had mixed feelings on it, right, Marco? Uh, I read the first two issues and I, very much to what Sean said. It does not hold your hand. And I think – You want your uh, hand held. I understand. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, also, Snot Girl's on there, which we also did a book club on. Yep. Yeah, and that's, you know, uh, obviously a, a favorite of both mine and Marco's. So I would say, personally, I would say start there or with Pride of Baghdad. Um just because we have a book club on them, so even they're... yeah, even Wicked and the Divine. That's mm-hmm. a that was gonna be mine. You'll clear those three in two hours. Um, you know what? I would say if you really want to start with something on this list, Batman Year One Hundred is probably the most easily digestible. Um, and it'll be probably a quick, easy read too. I do not like so. That book. It, yeah, it's it's fine, but like I said, if you want something that's kind of you know you can kind of quickly uh, digest it. That's a good choice as any. Uh, otherwise, of course, uh, I am quite partial to the filth by Mister Grant Morrison. Yeah, I was gonna say the the filth and the Black Monday murders. If you've if you've got the time to sit down and digest something, then I would really sit with those and stew on them. Yeah, if you want something like quicker, I would definitely say Baghdad is probably a good one, just because it's like self contained. And it's a pretty brisk read. Like I remember getting through that in like a little, you know, a little over an hour. So yeah, I read that at work. So, <laughs> but yeah, some great, some great picks here. You definitely got a great haul this year. It looks like yeah. Interested to hear what you think about uh, about the ones that we've called out here. Yeah, I'm not. So yeah, keep, number keep five. It keep it down back there. <laughs> keep it down in the back. Number five. Number five on the call sheet, and number five in our hearts. let's do some pals pulls so for marco we've got heavenly blues volume one yeah so this is the trade for ben con uh who we actually had on the show uh wait what episode was it marco god damn it (laughs) (laughs) you've been so good with that lately i thought i was tossing you a softball yeah come on mister i have an editor's brain (laughs) i forgot that i put that on I'll find it, but at any rate uh it's a it's the collection of the first six issues uh sorry five issues that he has out of heavenly blues um art by bruno hidalgo who's a spanish artist uh the book is a lot of fun it's kind of history and western sort of mixes and meets and uh it's definitely a fun ride and it's pretty light too so uh i mean if you guys definitely want to jump into it it's it's a fun time i think it's the only I think it's the only series or the only book in the series. Um, I think from this, he's just going on to another project. So definitely there if you need it. Um, shit. And I don't know where the fuck this thing is. Oh, <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. Episode 88. Yes. All Marco right. just edit that in nice and easy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I thought you were going to, I thought you were going to slide down to number five on the call sheet, but you uh, managed to hold on there to number four. Listen, I am having a great time down here. No expectations. Down in the muck. That's right. Oh, Mark wants to be in the muck. Uh, Of course you do, Swamp Thing lover. (laughs) Speaking of number five, uh, we've got Black Hammer Volume 3, Age of Doom from Kale. So this is uh, the third volume of uh, the Black Hammer series. Um, Very pumped to uh, keep going. I just picked up uh, Dr. Star for Christmas. Um, and I, uh, I'm all about, uh, Black Hammer. So let's keep going. Uh, from Phil, we've got Superman Kryptonite Deluxe Edition. You know, I, uh, I don't think it's any secret on, on this here podcast of ours that I love Superman. And I've read... What? I know. Sorry, Believe who? it or not, uh, Superman, uh, also known as Kal-El, he's Never the... Heard. 
first hero of Metropolis, the last hero of Krypton. Uh, not to be confused with the noble gas, but uh, I've read a lot of his books over the years, and uh, this is on pretty much every essential reading list. Darwin Cook, Tim Sale, perhaps you've heard of those two. Uh, I've never read it, and it's coming out on it's being re-released on hardcover, and this Wednesday seems as good of a time as any to finally dip my uh, nylons into that. Awesome, man. So I'm ready for it. And you know how I love having a big old uh, fancy hardcover. And I uh, just want to make a quick note here, sidebar. Uh, Christmas did just passed, and for Christmas I got the first omnibus of Grant Morrison's Batman. Ooh, oh, nice. you lucky. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I've, I'm so thrilled. It is beautiful. It's still uh, Whenever I get an omnibus like that, I'm always very hesitant to uh, unwrap Mm-hmm. The, the plastic because it's just so pretty in there <laughs> what was the what was the title of Phil's again it is Superman Krypton, uh, Kryptonite it was uh, Superman Confidential 1 through 5 and number 11 by uh, Darwin Cook and uh, Tim Sale oh great cool so uh, for me I chose Low number 20 Low is I I believe it's the most underrated comic book being published there a uh, yes, Low is absolutely phenomenal. For whatever reason, people do not pay attention to this book enough. It, it whenever it's being published, it's typically my favorite book out. Um, it's absolutely incredible. Rick Remender, Greg Tuccini, um, phenomenal creative team. This is a book that uh, it's it. I won't I won't lie. It's a test. It's an emotional test. Um, it's hard to read because. It's very, very bleak a lot of times, but it's about how low and how dark things can get um, and how humans can still retain that hope that can lift them above the darkest situations. And I think there's a beautiful message in the book and obviously Rick Remender's on fire right now. Um, The Deadly Class series just premiered on, uh, well, they put the first episode out on YouTube and um it's phenomenal by the way and uh i hope that more people start to recognize how brilliant rick is and this is the the very next book that i think people need to talk about so um that's it for our pals polls so we're gonna jump into the news here and we're gonna go over to aquaman and check in with the king of the seas because he is now the king of the box office aquaman has been swimming at the box office and tried too hard on that one has is riding the wave boo to 630 million dollars globally would you say it's topped mary poppins yes viciously i would say (laughs) you tell me jason momoa doesn't look like a top kale i mean he literally did because he rode the carathon so he literally did it was voiced by mary poppins this really is The Shape of Water Part 2. Ah, uh, but Mary Poppins is at Emily Blunt now, so... That's a good point. And it uh, brings us back to... <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Aquaman is is doing incredibly. Um, it's... It, I don't believe it's past uh, Justice League yet, but um, it, it's that's going a, to. I thought it did, didn't it? That, that's a low bar to hurdle. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Uh, it's it's also going to be passing Wonder Woman at some point as well here. 
Um, so it's it's gonna be. I, I mean, it, it might end up being the second highest grossing film of the DC FU era. Because <laughs> think, FU is right. <laughs> I don't think anything they're gonna put out anytime soon is in a top uh, BVS. But Aquaman doing really well. So James Wan actually attributes some of the success of Aquaman to how well it was received by women. Uh, huh. So he said, time and time again during our tests, we saw how well Aquaman played with women, older and younger. Uh, moms turned out in greater numbers than dads. That that part's according to Deadline. 56% to 44% and enjoyed Aquaman more, 91% to 85%. Women also graded Aquaman with an A minus cinema score, a number that was equal to men. So, um, they they obviously made a film that that women really enjoyed, and I think that that's a big factor in a movie being able to do well. That's half the population. You have to service those people. Of course, you do. I was gonna I was gonna just like make a joke, and be like, oh, but women don't go see movies. But it's just it's so stupid, and it's just proven wrong time and time again. Well, yeah, sort of connected to that, like, it, it's almost like that, um, I think it was early science fiction that women were, like, huge fans of, uh, and, like, women mostly read and even wrote for a long time. Yeah. And it just, it was just this huge undercurrent, and, like, that's how it all survived. I just, I, I you know, I, I, I don't know that there's any correlation there, but I just think it's a interesting uh thought i wonder if it has anything to do with sort of mara's portrayal because i know we we've co- we commented that you know her character was really strong and it wasn't sort of the like alongside aquaman it wasn't the trope of like damsel in, di- in distress she was very much in control and very much a positive figure so i mean i feel like maybe there's some correlation there i uh i like those twitter threads that's like <laughs> movie uh, movie executive that's a man how do we get the female audience women are so mysterious and women are like oh treat us like equals and they're like so mysterious <laughs> <laughs> well I, I also feel like there's probably at least some and I don't know maybe this is like anecdotal and me not giving Jason Momoa enough credit but like I, Game of Thrones also has a really huge female audience and I wonder if there's crossover appeal there there of people that, you know, remember him fondly from season one. Um, and I, I feel like that has to have something to do with it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, he's he's a, a sex symbol in a lot of ways. And I think that um, he's, you know, very appealing for those reasons. I think a lot of people loved him on Game of Thrones. He's also just a, a very likable figure. Um, uh, he's done a lot of interviews and things like that where he's talked about his love for Lisa Bonet, his wife, and their children. And, um, I think he, he, he's got universal appeal. What a good looking couple, man. Yep. <laughs> Some sexy people right there. But yeah, it's, it's funny because, like, I remember when I first saw that headline when it's like, oh, Aquaman, like, a lot of his success is being attributed to women. And I was just like, huh, I wonder why. <laughs> so mysterious. So mysterious. <laughs> uh, so we, we put out a review of Aquaman last week, which you can go check out. I gave Aquaman a 9. I was incredibly impressed by this movie. And uh, you can go check out what uh, Marco and Phil thought about the film uh, over in our review. So moving right along, we got to talk about the newest 
publisher on the scene, TKO Comics. Uh, so they have really, 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 really made a splash. Uh, no, I'm not talking about Aquaman anymore. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> they, they've done really well for themselves. They jumped on to Twitter um, a couple weeks ago and sort of made their big presentation about what we can expect from them. Uh, and so they, they started at, by saying the following. At TKO, we want to be the first modern comic book company. So we'll be doing things a bit di- a bit differently. And they present a threat. Um, they talk about some of the creators that they're going to be working with, including Roxanne Gay, Jeff Lemire, Garth Ennis, uh, Gabriel Walta, Steve Epting, uh, Elizabeth Brettweiser. That's unfortunate. Um, Jordi uh-huh. Belair. Uh, Dan McDade. Uh, just a, 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 a really a who's who. Um, of top, top level creators uh, in a lot of cases. Um, and then they say, we know fans don't want to wait months for to read a full story. So we binge release our books. We make all issues of a single miniseries available at once. We also know people like to read their books in a variety of formats. So we make our books available in three different formats right off the bat. And then they showcase pictures of really nice collections. Um, the first example is full six-issue set in a collector's box. It's a very nice collector's box that they have for these series. Uh, they also present trade paperback and digital download to read off tablet, desktop, or mobile. All our books are printed in deluxe oversized format, so you can take in every detail of our incredible art. And all our books are printed right here in the USA. Very nice. We're so confident you'll love our books that we offer every first issue free to read at TKOPresents.com. That is so cool. The other thing that they mentioned is we also love our local comic book stores. It's where we fell in love with comics, and they're an important part of our community. If you're a store that would like to stock our books, please contact sales at TKOPresents.com. So they the, the really interesting thing is that they actually do not have their books in stores yet i believe i believe that currently you can purchase all of the stuff that i just mentioned through their website tkopresents.com which is extremely unique um and they've got an article uh that that did come up in the new york times new york times did a profile on them which is very very cool for them uh and it, it talks about essentially what i talked about uh, their prices are lower, actually, than than the standard issue. Uh, so they sell their six issue bundle for fifteen bucks, which is uh, two fifty per issue, which is obviously less than four dollars, which is the industry standard. Um, and so there's a lot of interesting things about them. Um, now, one thing that I wanted to bring up to you guys, and I want to get your full thoughts on them too. But when you're giving me those full thoughts, answer this question. How do you feel about the fact that they are coming out the gate with no local comic local comic book store representation at all? Do you think that hurts them? I think the concept is novel and good. I don't think from a business perspective it's super sustainable. Um, and I think if they're not in local shops yet, it's going to make it that much harder because – outside of the internet where else you're gonna get your comics and this the brick and mortar in the in this industry is still someplace where you go to that 
it has it, it has a reason to exist though and i i mean outside of that like it's going to be hard if they don't do that at, like if they if they're not doing that out of the gate it's definitely going to be hard to sustain that and to make sure that this is successful i, I think it's an awesome idea uh it's really in an ideal world would be great but i think the way that the industry works it's not something that fits in so i definitely agree with a lot of what marco's saying and i think it's hard for me to say exactly how i feel about it until we see what their next move is because i think right now i don't think that matters like i think at initial launch like they obviously are already getting buzz right like they're getting written about written about in the new york times they have a lot of really top name creators who are throwing their weight behind them and that that goes a certain you know that that'll take you only just so far and i think if that initial wave is enough to generate interest from brick and mortars and have people take a gamble on them and get some of these books on shelves it'll work out in their favor um but to marco's point i think unless they find a way to kind of play both sides here where they're going to be like hey we're this new unique publisher and if you want our books right away you can buy them online or order the the collection or whatever but they also i think need to find a way to play with the traditional model because that's where most people buy their books and if these books are good enough or they read the first if people read the first issue and get in the door then i don't think it'll matter because if a book is good enough people will read it where they can read it However, like, it's not easy to get people to go to a dot-com and read that first issue in the first place. And I think that's the biggest problem is that, like, the, the brick-and-mortar store discoverability is, is a huge part of why that is so important if you're a new book or a new publisher trying to claw your way or claw yourself a corner of the market, you know? And I, I think this is a really interesting idea. And I think they seem like they're in a really strong position to find success in the way that similar new blood has in recent years. But I definitely think that the concerns that Marco is voicing are the things that they should be thinking about is like, you know, because there obviously has to be some sort of angel investor or somebody behind this. There's somebody with money who brought these people together and produced these books for their initial wave, right? Like, Something like that had to have happened. And if that money runs out before people are interested, then we're going to see this go belly up. One wrinkle uh, that I neglected earlier is that they are actually not working through Diamond. Whoa. Uh, yeah, they... that, that was the other factor that definitely is going to be a huge impact because they're not going through traditional means. Like it, it, that, that just means that it's more expensive for st- local comic stores to even own these things and to subscribe to these things because they're going direct to the to the company versus through the distributor and that just like the upfront costs are going to be way more can if they weren't going through a uh, diamond so i want to read the words of milton grep who commented for the new york times story who had the following to say about what TKO Comics is doing. And then, of course, I want to hear from Kale and Phil. Uh, I understand why they want to try something different because it is very tough for a new comics publisher. Comic retailers are the busiest retailers in the world. One more account to open, one more shipment to place, one more bill to pay. That's an area that causes friction and will slow down the rate of retailers stocking the product. Uh, so, obviously, he's, he's got some questions about this. And then he goes on to say, 
Both the publisher and the retailer are spending more to get the books in the store than they would if the comics moved through a distributor. So, you know, he obviously isn't thinking that this is the best idea. So, um, Kale, how do you feel about that, especially with that that piece of information? I that is really interesting. I I hadn't thought about the uh, the diamond angle. I. Ah. And I hate that that's a factor because diamonds suck so much. Um, but I also think if they could, you know, if they got a, pe- a piece about them in the New York Times, I-, I can't imagine that, you know, being in like a Barnes & Noble or something would be that far off. That's a good point. Yeah, maybe they'll like askew the traditional model and go for a more like bookstore oriented or like amazon and those sorts of things and trying to sell the collections more than the singles and that Mm -hmm. the singles will be something that you only buy as a collector through their website well yeah because the the way the the model is set up you're you're still not buying it issue by issue you're you're buying right you're buying it as collections either way right you cannot buy them issue by issue yeah you can get singles though right but you just buy it no according to the website um and and it's it's singles in a box you can it, well, no, it's like a it's a it's a graphic novel or singles in a box, in the collector's box. Yeah. Um, okay. But you That's can't. That's what I was talking about. You, you, yeah, you you can't. I don't think you can buy them issue by issue. But you could buy six print issues in a box. Yes. To get yes. the whole series. So if yes. you want it that way, it is an option for you. Yes. And I think I think I think the other thing though is, without diamond, like you don't. Uh, both the the publisher and the stores won't have to have a certain amount they won't have to hit a threshold so there won't be any leftover there won't be you know people will just oh for like orders buy what and stuff? they want yeah um huh. uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing I, to me it sounds like a good thing uh comic store wise yeah and actually they usually it's just like stock that they have to sell at a cheaper price or they return it and that's like shipment that they have to pay this is also the kind of thing that since it's sold completely in a collection i feel like stores could buy a certain amount and if it sells or doesn't they can uh order more or not based on how it goes yeah um i i phil did you get did you get a word in here i've just been mulling it over and i don't is it bad that they won't be at your LCS? No, I don't think that's inherently bad. Is it bad that they won't be distributed through Diamond? No, I don't think that's inherently bad either. But I think regardless of the fact that they do have really talented uh, artists and writers here like Jeff Lemire and Garth Ennis, they're going to be swimming upstream. Uh, they in that New York Times article, which is a huge deal, New York Times is on the forefront of of journalism in this country. Uh, it's not every day uh, a startup publisher gets a profile like that. The, the reality is they're going to swim upstream. They talk about in the article how they want to develop a bigger piece of the pie and diversify it by having non superhero books. And the reality is that is the industry. And it would be great if they change it because we've seen stories like this before. It makes good movies when you know a startup comes in and does things differently to shake up the established order. That's always a good thing. But why it's such a good kind of narrative device in movies and stuff is because it doesn't happen very often because it's divine the convention. I think 
Kale's point about selling it at Barnes and Noble or something is selling it because I think the type of people who will be probably buying these are non-conventional comic book readers who don't really purchase single issues to begin with. They buy a collection of issues, like a book, something that resembles an actual book. But I think they have a lot of factors that are working against them for immediate success. Because at, 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 even though this is good exposure, they are still relative no ones. And to the the Barnes and Noble piece, if they're not partnering with Diamond, I wonder if they won't partner with um, like a, a Simon and Schuster kind of thing. And and um, yeah, yeah, that's like true. they still need to be in that distribution to get into a Barnes and Noble. So right. I wonder if that's even feasible. I mean, the thing that's interesting is like I think them not being hooked up with Diamond isn't as in like they're not the first to do that now right sure. like we talked last year about how oni press is moving away from diamond and you still see their books at your lcs but they went to simon though they went to another distributor these guys aren't i also think there's a lot of weight in this conversation in particular being put on the lcs because a lot of the country doesn't have sure local comic book shops you know, um, like the town, the town I'm from has a, a rundown place that's all uh, tabletop games and doesn't sell anything modern. Um, and the the last the last thing that was there that sold anything modern was uh, Hastings, and that shut down two years ago. I I think this is cool, but I um, unfortunately I, I I don't think that unless they change the, the, some of these practices, I feel like. Um, they've got a very, very uphill battle that probably doesn't end in their favor because, uh, for example, I'm interested in a lot of these books that they, that they talk about here. I'm not getting a single one because if they're Ooh. not, if they're not in a local shop, I'm not buying them. I'm not going to support your comics listeners. Uh, yeah. I'll support them as soon as they're at the, as, as soon as they're at Midtown. Why don't um, you just, why won't you order them? I don't want to. Just an extra step I'm not interested in. When I go to Damn. my local comic shop, that's when I get my books. But you got to like walk outside to, to get a, a book then. Yeah, I know. But I have to do it anyways. So I might as well and just get it all at once. You know Sean hates walking outside in the dead of winter. That's, whew, you don't know how true that is. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's a big, big roadblock. I, I, I don't want to do that. I also really enjoy the process, believe it or not, of the month to month. And I know that that's not a thing that a lot of people love, um, but I do. And I think that um, you can't ever, you can't ever turn your back on the lifeblood of the industry. We talk a lot about you know different kinds of comic book readers and comic book readers who you know are checked out, but they're ready to be activated. And there hasn't yet really been the the proof of these people in terms of. Um, different models having major success so um, it remains to be seen but i don't think that you can come out the gate not serving the core base and think that you're going to see big success this right now here is when they need to latch on to the core comic book reader not not serve them so that's my take so uh we've got our first look at mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home, that's one of the three Marvel movies that uh, are hotly anticipated for the new year. And um, Empire 
is doing a big story about you know all the movies that we can look forward to next year and um an image of 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 mysterio uh did leak now it's not it's not jake gyllenhaal in real time as mysterio it's an image of him it's like a drawn image of him it's like concept art and whatnot concept art i guess you could say um and i wanted to know what you guys think about this looks great it kind of uh i'm sure we'll have a link to this in the description below on youtube or whatever but it kind of looks like samurai armor in a way yes i see i see where you're coming from uh, it kind of looks like a shogun or something reminds me of doctor strange but i like it it looks good and everyone should know at this point if it's not clear already i'm very excited for yake Ellen hall to play mysterio all right number five what do you think about this <laughs> He looks like he looks like King K. Rule with Jake Gyllenhaal. On him. <laughs> he just needs That's a crown. Surprisingly accurate. Like it just doesn't. I don't know. Without the dome on his head, it it just doesn't look like Mysterio. So I like I don't care about this. Yeah, that that, that was gonna be my take. Like it, he doesn't have the helmet. I'm sure he'll have the helmet. This is just concept. Will he? This picture's lying to me then. Yeah, he might, but like right now he doesn't, so who gives a shit? <laughs> I think I fall on that end of the spectrum. I'm a Mysterio fan, but he's nothing without his fishbowl. You gotta have that. Uh, I, I want to see it. Show me that or show me nothing. I'm ready for him to do the 619 on Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that a, is uh, that a sex thing? It's a wrestling yes. thing. The the other wrinkle is that um, Lego has there was a spoil as far as like new Lego toys coming out in 2019 and for the Spider Man Far From Home set they showcased um, Hydro Man and uh, um, uh, Molten Man I believe dude they fucking did that with uh, Infinity War too when I was uh, down in New Zealand, I showed you guys the uh, the snap I got of the uh, the Iron Spider suit. So it appears that we will be getting those villains in this movie, which I am actually really excited for because I'm a huge fan of Hydro Man. That's a sense I've heard no one say ever. <laughs> I love Hydro Man. <laughs> I, I also like Hydro Man. Like, he's, he's such a... I don't know. I like, like when there's a character like Spider-Man or Batman who has, like, such like a tier villains like i love the like obscure like who gives a fuck about hydro man it's like i give a fuck about hydro man that's right and hydro man <laughs> was a major player in the spider-man animated series from the 90s and so he was. yeah he um, was and that ended badly it sure did but the fights that they had i thought were visually stunning and i'd love to see those uh captured on the big screen spider-man had some weird ops villains in that show he had the spot who could literally jump through time and space i'm sorry what also this is an old classic villain but the sandman this is a guy who could change his modular density just to be porous ass grams of sand how do you fight that well obviously he found creative ways and hydra man a guy who can literally drown you it's kind of funny how many of Spider-Man's villains could, like, easily just kill you by just, like, just, like, Vor, you know, just being like, I'm gonna shove sand in you until you explode. Yeah. <laughs> Kale, you were, you are trying to get a word in there. Who, so it was, it's Mysterio in that Lego set, Mysterio, Hydro-Man, and... Molten, Molten Man. Man. 
oh, this is going to be a Spider-Man 3-ass movie. Well, Mysterio <laughs> is actually a, allegedly a, a hero in the movie. That's what oh, we're getting so far. This is going to be a Spider-Man 3-ass movie. That you know, I don't, don't want to hear one opinion from you about these movies until you see Homecoming. That's a fair point. Listen, I saw Spider-Verse. I don't need to see another Spider-Man movie, movie for so the thanks. rest of my life. Thank you. For the awesome. rest Thank of you. my life. I'm done with Spider-Man until they come out with another Spider-Verse. I'm done with you until they come out with another Spider-Man movie. So shut up. Um, yeah, so we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I'm I'm anxiously anticipating a trailer, and uh, hopefully we get one really soon because I want to see this thing. Uh, July 5th, 2019 is when we're getting the movie. So We're looking forward on this episode to the new year, and one thing that appears to be imminent is the closing of the deal between Disney and Fox. Uh, According to sources, it would appear, sources uh, being NBC News, it would appear that the deal between Disney and Fox is expected to close in January of 2019, which is far, far earlier, I think, than a lot of people projected. Uh, This is something that... uh, doesn't appear to be able to be stopped. Um, Disney is moving full stream ahead, and it looks like we're gonna get we're gonna get this this thing way sooner than we expected. And in addition to that, according to the man himself, Kevin Feige, it looks like they'll be able to produce properties based on the X Men and the Fantastic Four within the first six months of 2019. That's Damn. bananas, huh? So I bet they fucking will too. He was he was asked on the playback podcast uh, that comes from Variety about when he would be able to start production. And he said um, they asked him if he'd been working on on these projects yet, and he said no. But we've been told it's looking very very good and can happen the first six months of next year. That's extremely early. I almost don't believe him. Really. Uh, that he well that he says that he hasn't done anything with it. I I would not be surprised to see at the end of Avengers some form of X Men or Fantastic Four no. cameo would be, of some kind. It would have been legally impossible for Disney. Yeah. Yes. Ah, come also, on. listen. Obviously, Disney is an evil mouse corporation juggernaut, but it's not like Fox doesn't have buco bucks as well. It is still a lawsuit, and that's where I was. Is that a Philadelphia come. thing? I'm sorry. Buco? What? No, Marco, chill. <laughs> My dude has zero chill. Uh, that's where I was going to come in on this. I'm surprised that he's even talking about this because it sounds like tampering. The deal is not finalized yet, and they kind of just speak so candidly about it. Uh, my boys, that is bananas. Well, we know it's ha- it's been happening. I don't think it's, yeah, like, we, uh, to provide a timeline, I don't think it's... I, think, I, I agree think, with that. I think it's crazy because it hasn't gone through. Uh, there, that seems like uh, some legal, like a legal mess. But he is not anyone who has the say-so over this matter. And Disney and Fox have agreed to the deal. The closing of the deal is based around several other entities who have to sign off and all that kind of legal stuff but fox and disney want it to happen so yeah i especially coming from kevin feige i don't think it's 
I don't think it's too murky at all for him to be saying these things. All right, I'll uh, I'll mind my Philly tongue. <laughs> Dude, my director says buco consistent. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Uh, it's it's, it's no, like, I know what it is, but then you said it. It's like no, Wombo. I got it. It's fine. We can move on. It's a sentence enhancer. Okay, uh, so <laughs> now that we've derailed the podcast, uh, any other thoughts on this? Uh, the timeline, all that jazz. I saw a uh, I saw a, a short clip for uh the dark phoenix yeah yesterday at uh the movie theater i saw spider-verse yesterday yesterday yeah yesterday and uh are you okay i, I completely forgot it was happening yes yeah, wow that was something uh you forgot about dark phoenix yeah so did everybody else <laughs> <laughs> um so i i want to i want to ask the question that's on the second half of that are we like, do you think do you think there will be like a Fantastic Four X Men thing at the end of Infinity War two? Let's talk about that a little bit later. Um, so Pete, did you want to get a word in? Yeah, so I think um, I, I do think this is really interesting that he's talking about this so candidly, but I think that that probably speaks to how far along they are in this deal. Yeah, and right. that like yeah. there probably is at this point. It seems like January is a lock, right? If, if if that date is being thrown out there, I imagine that that's going to be the case. And I think that makes me think that the idea of seeing something from one of these franchises within the next, like, 12 to 18 months seems almost inevitable. And uh, the idea of, like... Well, like you said, we'll talk about it more in a minute. Yep. Yeah. So I... I think this is surprising, but also, like, I don't know. It, it kind of just seems like an acceleration of the natural conclusion of this story. Yeah, I agree. Uh, cool to be able to, you know, we started the year talking a lot about this, and it's cool to sort of almost have some finality about it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. just funny because I, I remember, like, when, when it was first, you know, when we were really chewing on it, it's like, well, we won't see the ramifications of this for years anyway. It's like, well, pff, apparently not. <laughs> they moved fast. Sony, step your game up. Let Disney use the spider hand. <laughs> so our last news story of 2018 is actually going to be based on The Punisher. Uh, obviously, things have not gone super well in the Marvel Netflix deal with Netflix having canceled all the Marvel shows except Punisher and Jessica Jones, both of whom will release their presumably final seasons in 2019. But we've got some news about the Punisher and its villains that I think is interesting and worth discussing over here. So uh, we're going to see a new villain in Punisher Season 2, which is going to be a character called John Pilgrim who will be played by actor Josh Stewart. Uh, the villain has been described as being alt-right. Oh, boy. Which, of course, <laughs> oh. is... Uh, oh He's alright? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a loaded term, of course. Um, so, Stewart had this to say about the character. On the exterior, John Pilgrim is a man who is a Christian fundamentalist who had a rage, a violent side of him. It's buried deep. I think where this is all headed, that sort of side of him is going to resurface a bit. Uh, the article here from comicbook.com uh, talks also a little bit about uh, Billy Russo, 
who, if you guys recall, is the character who would be Jigsaw. Jigsaw. And they reference the fact that he will actually not be going on, uh, be going by the name Jigsaw. Instead, uh, the Jigsaw phrase is going to more refer to his psyche. Uh, so Ben Barnes, who plays Billy Billy Russo on the show, said. He's trying to piece together what happened to him and who he is. There is the metaphor at one point that his brain is the jigsaw that he's trying to put the pieces back together of. It's it's unfortunate because I would like to see full, like full on jigsaw, and I know the show won't go beyond this season. It's it's kind of the problem we had in season three of Daredevil, where it's like I appreciate this process they are going through in developing their characters. But in light of the fact that both Netflix and Disney have kind of pulled the plug on this stuff, it's a downer. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I want to ask you guys uh, what I think is a critical question. So last year, Punisher came out and it did some things that people were unhappy with in terms of its ultraviolence and, you know, in light of a lot of the the very publicized uh, shootings that, that took place. People felt like it was in bad taste and whatnot. This show, this series, season two, is going to be not only continuing in the vein of, of the ultraviolence, but it will also include a villain who they themselves are labeling an alt-right Christian fundamentalist, who I'm assuming is going to engage in some heavy, heavy violence and will probably have people on his side who also represent that ideal now the question is do you think that it is fair game and within good conscience of the good people over at netflix to produce a show that is including those kinds of of characters and themes yeah i think i think it is um because i think we've talked about this a lot on this show uh art like should not shy away from talking about serious issues and many good pieces of art reflect their time you know and this is a conversation we're having in this country right now all of these things right gun violence and you know um these political extremist groups and these are these are the these are the topics of our day and i think season one in my opinion uh which you can go check out our review where we talked about it extensively i think did it well and I think the reason that the show got a lot of backlash is because I don't think it I don't think it appeals to either like side of the aisle quite enough because you know there are a lot of extreme right wing kind of people who really like Frank Castle because he's you know a badass action hero military guy who is you know like <clears throat> this you know, and, and I don't mean this to sound charged, but like almost this libertarian uh, wet dream of like this man who, you know, takes action into his own hands and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I think in the, the Netflix adaption of the character, um, as much as you can still say some of those things, like they also presented a much softer Frank Castle and also took some very, very targeted pot shots at some of those sorts of fans of the character in the subject matter. A lot of and those, I think... Go ahead, Phil. A lot of those bootlickers out there who like that... Uh, who visualize the Punisher that way, the libertarian wet dream, as you put it, uh, they hate the show for that reason. Right. And I think a lot of 
um, people on the liberal side of, of the fence were the ones who were complaining that it was too violent, that it was yeah. glorifying gun violence and all these things. So I think you ended up with a, a show that didn't satisfy anybody who aligns themselves too much with either of those camps, right? If you're a hardcore anti-gun person, you're this. You're not going to look at the subtext of what this show was trying to say about war and PTSD. And I think if you're like Phil said, if you're uh, a bootlicker, boot um, <laughs> you're you're not going to like what it had to say about those things. Um, if you did watch it, I, I think there's truth to that. But you know, I'm not a big gun fan either. But I think a lot of the people that objected to the show's use of gun violence also didn't watch it. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think that is true. But I think to the point that you're making, right, like you aren't a big gun guy, but you're also a comic guy. So you can look at this and be like, well, this is the Punisher uses guns and this is something I'm accepting going into this. Where as if you're someone who's just looking at this in the broader scope of entertainment or in the broader superhero trend or culture or whatever, you're going to look at the Punisher and be like, we shouldn't adapt the Punisher. Phil would have watched it anyway, though. He's that kind of person. Right. But even if he had no relationship to the Punisher at all, not a comics guy, Phil would still watch it. I see what you're saying. Okay. But I think most people don't feel that way. Yep. You know, I think a lot of people make decisions about how they feel about a piece of content sometimes before they even watch it. And sometimes like, you know, Kale watched the first episode and was like, not for me, this you know, fine. and I, right, I don't mean that as a value judgment, but I think it speaks to why the Punisher found itself in this weird murky area. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why this decision makes sense for what they're trying to do and their interpretation of the character. I think them having a villain who's a Christian fundamentalist alt-right nut kind of guy is a perfect character for this Frank Castle to tackle. That's going to ruffle some feathers, too. Good. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't I really don't think it will. I was just uh my in-laws were just watching an episode of uh Criminal Minds and they had a uh, an alt-right mansplainer 4chan douchebag who was the villain you know talking talking his shit we're the sons of odin and we all have the warrior blood no criminal minds no madam secretary oh my god he's doing this again he's having a conversation <laughs> with himself is Ma- it was madam secretary it's the Still. jigsaw of kale's fractured oh mind fucking god uh marco what about you man <laughs> um I agree with what 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 Pete was sort of saying in in terms of how like obviously this is a piece of art we're not going to censor it but at the same time it is a reflection of our time and unfortunately this is something in our time that uh, it's going to show up in media like it I mean even in Kale's Criminal Minds Madam Secretary like <laughs> it, it it pops up because it is something that is relevant and timely and if this show is trying to be relevant and and has something to say about it then fine it had something to say about gun violence and it had something to say about PTSD and war and I think that came through in the show and uh for that I think there is value in them telling this kind of a story uh with this kind of a villain and for those of you who want to check out our review that's on episode 57 look at you my dude um I'm into it uh I'm not gonna lie uh I really wanted uh bullseye uh, to be in here since he's not going to be able to do season four of Daredevil, um, but I like this idea a lot, 
and I'm all in favor of originality too. Uh, and frankly, these ah. what's up, Castley? What's up? Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't get it. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> uh, I think. I think the antagonist they have designed here. Uh, speaks to a larger evil in our current society, which is what this show is all about. It's all on the pulse of kind of the socio-political uh, cancers that plague our culture, and I uh, I'm looking forward to it. I loved the first season of Punisher. Yeah. I also just really liked Punisher as like a deconstruction of the character because like I think it's really funny that they're using Frank Castle, who is traditionally a like big strong hyper masculine fucking you know killing machine kind of character and using him to attack characters that represent those values you know mm-hmm. it's interesting and it it, it I, to me i think it played really well in season one and reading so much of that criticism very much came like it, it felt like it was coming from people that didn't give the show a chance because it, it grappled with some complex issues in ways that were very nuanced. I think it's it's funny that this new character that they're going to be uh, that they're going to be debuting here, John Pilgrim, is in a lot of ways what people think the Punisher is. Yeah, yeah, a, a violent guy who is down with alt right and conservatism, and you know a lot of the people who adopt the Punisher as their character, you know, they feel that way. Not all of them, certainly, sure. but. You know, we we know that to be true. So I think like it's, you, when you have cops putting the Punisher skull on their weapons and stuff like that, you know, it's like what are you, what, what is that message sending? Okay, that's what I'm right. Like he, that image has become charged. Ugh. Yeah. So uh, we don't have too long to wait for this. I would imagine um, we don't have a date, but we know January 2019. So we'll be bringing you guys a review of that when it drops. Ready to watch him shoot some bootlickers. Ooh, Pete, I've never been more attracted to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as promised, we're going to be doing our end of the year best of. So, we're just going to, you know, we've got some categories here. And each one of us will pick our favorite X of the year. Uh, everyone has had ample time to prepare their answers. So, hopefully, you all come correct. Uh, and I will be judging harshly. As to uh, your answers. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. So here we go. We're going to start with our favorite news story of the year. So our favorite thing that happened within, you know, our our world uh, in 2018. Akira Yoshida, no question. <laughs> <laughs> there is no question about that. That is <laughs> the, still the most baffling thing <laughs> Uh, in this, the year of our Lord, 2018. You came in hot. I, I think that one really baffled Pete, of all people. Yeah, Why? you know, I mean, I just, I thought of Akira Yoshida as one of the great <laughs> Eastern writers, you know, and it was such a shock to find out that, that it was all a lie. I wonder, I, I wonder if Pete is is more jealous than anything. He's just, you know, trying to figure out how to get away with it. I'm just oh, like, man, I wish I had thought about that back in the early 2000s when that was the thing you could get away with. <laughs> I'd be the head of Marvel right now. Yeah, and that that dude is 
editor-in-chief at Marvel right now is just... You and your wife, Lois, Peter. Oh, Peter. Oh, God. I hate this year. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. I love the island of Japan, Lois. Marco, just right now, while while I'm talking, can you just play uh, just just the that clip all around me are familiar faces, you know, just over and over again, just like a sad trombone. (laughs) 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 My dog Brian ate rice cakes. Oh my God! Who's next? Who's next? For me, uh, I think it was the pull box stuff. I it's been something that. I have been wanting for a really long time and something that the like the ideally the industry needs. And so that was just a cool discussion, obviously kind of pulling into what we talked about with like TKO, like the, the way that they're distributing everything. And I, I like those kind of kind of conversations and that's a really fun story. The only downside is is that it was supposed to be out like in April or some shit and it's basically the end of the year and none of this shit's happening. Wow. Oh yeah, you're right, huh? I completely forgot about it. Every time I go to my LCS, I'm like, hey, so whatever happened to that thing? Yeah, they, they, they keep pushing it back, and we actually haven't heard from them in like three months. Wow. So who even knows that that's a thing anymore? Knowing Diamond, it probably isn't. Yeah, it's probably like dead. Remember when they thought a cool thing was, oh, check it out. You can search. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, in the real world, outside of books, I just want to underscore teenagers eating Tide Pods. Can we talk about that? It was good. That uh, fake news story? Yeah. Yeah, shut up. It's so funny. <laughs> uh, also, Gritty being announced in Philadelphia was good. <laughs> I needed to give those a shout out. Uh, That's the real good news. For for our industry here, I try to look at things through the lens of our show. And for me, it was the announcement that Mary Poppins herself would be an Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of value on <laughs> <laughs> yeah um aquaman turned out to be the best musical of the year but now i can't wait for suicide squad 2 pete uh so for me i think my favorite piece of news to discuss was um actually something we talked about back on episode 85 of the show which was uh, will Amazon take over the comic book industry? It was when they announced oh. their line of Comicsology originals. Yeah. It certainly wasn't the biggest news this week, but it was the the piece that I remember us having the most engaging conversation about, and it was really fun to chew on. And that was kind of like the start of a conversation that we ended up having again today, right? About like how new people and new faces can kind of enter the industry and try to do something new and shake things up and who's going to be the first to really do it who's going to be the 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 company to disrupt uh the status quo and you know um (laughs) much like the news that marco pointed on it, it really hasn't seemed to made make too many waves yet but um i don't know it was definitely something that i was really really interested in talking about and that every time it does come up i i have a lot of fun getting to kind of speculate and and Try to answer that question. Me and Pete have our fingers crossed. Someday, someone will come along. <laughs> uh, as for me, it's going to be all the news about how great and, well, re- really how well Black Panther did and how impactful it was and all that stuff. Um, that was a hot topic at the start of 2018. 
and uh, um, that was something that was really cool to watch unfold and all the stories about um, black entertainers who you know bought out movie theaters and who you know people even even beyond entertainers just regular people on Twitter who were offering to pay um, tickets for people who couldn't afford to see it um, I've never really seen that kind of mobilization around a film uh, really anything to be really honest like I've never witnessed it the way it happened um, and for it to be around that movie at this time was really cool so uh, that was that was it for me worldwide. I mean, like, there was no way that we could have anticipated that it would have been what it was, you know? Like, I think you said it best uh, in our review that, like, Black Panther was a moment. And, like, ooh, it was it was a cool one. And uh, yeah. shout out to that Kendrick Lamar soundtrack. <laughs> Goodness, it was great. Yeah, that was good stuff. Best soundtrack in a Marvel movie. That was definitely really strong. Uh, so next up, uh, we've got favorite single issue. So the one issue of the year that you really, really, really loved beyond all others. This this one was the hardest category for me because there were a few issues that were in contention and all of them were Doomsday Clock. Yep. Yeah, me too. That's where I was. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to give honorable mentions to issues number four and six that were the, the two that were in contention for me. Um, those were the the backstory of New Rorschach and the background uh, the backstory of Marionette and um, and mime. Uh, but I had to give it to number eight, the most yep. recent issue. Damn it, Pete! You were the same yep. one. Yeah, same dude. Here, actually. Oh Damn. no way! Holy yep. shit! That's a that's a strong consensus. Maybe it's a recency uh, bias, but I'm with you. No, I don't think it was because I went and I reread all three issues because I knew they were the three that I was thinking about. And I, I have to say, like, I really, I gotta give it to eight. I, it was a, it's a great, great issue, and like, I think that it has the most like powerful moment of Doomsday Clock, and I, and I wonder if it'll be the most powerful moment overall. Of like, this is clearly the turning point of the narrative, and it, everything that's come since has built to this, and I imagine everything f- that happens will like come from this issue it's it's the best single issue superman story in six years that's all i have to say like what else do you need johns and frank get the character and to utilize him on the biggest stage of the year doomsday clock it's it's in a lot of ways it's where the character thrives most uh on the biggest stage uh and i I don't know what else to say pete you're 100 percent right this issue uh is leading us to this excellent climax that avalanche is finally in full effect down the hill and it, it, it's a great launching point for 2019 frankly for sure uh kale i have uh, because i read things in trades i have a really hard time differentiating between the issues because i i look i try to look at it as a whole okay uh you okay, might say I don't, interrupt you might you. say you might say I don't see issues. Gonna interrupt oh, you. Oh god. Before the show started, yeah, that oh. was an awful that was that was, that was unbelievable. Gross. Yeah. Oh. Um <laughs> before the show started, Kale said uh, I I was making the point that, you know, um in, the graphic novels have single issues in them. They're collected of single issues. And Kale goes, "No, that's not true." 
<laughs> what are you talking about? Also, also, he said, <laughs> yeah. Also, he said I, I don't read that. any single issues, and you, yeah. And I said you do for the show, and he says besides that. Like, so pick one what of those. It? Yeah, no, I didn't say. I didn't say that. Okay, just, just pick one. On the air. What is it? What is it? Kale lies on the air all the time. That's true. <laughs> it's my whole personality on this show. Disingenuous <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, you just project your shit. Number five. <laughs> for me, <laughs> best I could come up with. Uh, it re- for me, it really came down uh, to two things, and these are two things that really um, uh, showed what I'm looking for right now in a in a comic. Um, Green Lantern number two, the Morrison and uh, Liam Sharp. That yeah. was a great yeah. issue. That was that was actually it was that was my number two. That portrayal of Oa as like this giant city planet that somehow looks like a a noir like a neo-noir oh, uh beautiful future city police station dude was Sharp just is so fucking good. the fact that i could incredible. still visualize what it looked like yeah says everything yeah. you need to know um and then in contention with that for me was martian manhunter number one that was a t- that was a contender for me as well uh because and both uh, both of these i i chose for similar reasons they they both are trying something new for characters who um, I am a big fan of, and uh, the the respective creators on on these titles are are looking to do something new and defining, and that uh, I find really exciting. Yeah, no, I totally respect that, and we we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but that that relaunch of a bunch of DC's core seven characters books. They were all really good. Uh, leaves a lot to be excited about in 2019. Same way with Doomsday Clock. And sort of playing along with people trying to make a mark on a character. I think for me, my favorite issue was Mr. Miracle number seven Dope. by Tom King and uh, Garage, where uh, it's they're just in the hospital and they're sort of waiting around and there's a lot of teasing and a lot of uh, silent panels and really good usage of like just space and the room that Tom has to, to write in the same way that Mitch has the room to to draw everything. I think it was really just a great, a, a, like a great unison uh, move. It was just awesome. I, it was the first book that thinking back, I'm like, what like stuck out to me? Oh shit, that issue specifically, Hospital and Mister Miracle. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good one actually. Uh, all right. So best series now. Um, he, did I, you, Sean? Did you have one? Oh, I chose. Issue? I chose Doomsday Clock number eight. Oh, that's right. Um, I knew I didn't care for a reason. <laughs> number five, pipe. So since we're talking about number five, and he wants to shoot off his mouth, I'm going to turn my attention to you. <laughs> so in the long box Discord, you said that you felt pressured into agreeing that Doomsday Clock number eight was a good issue. Now, you've claimed that I uh, am full of disingenuous bullshit on this show before. Several times. You went to the Traitors Discord server to say that on this show we bullied you into saying that you liked the issue? What kind of shit is that? Now, hold on. I also said that it was a good issue, but I did have problems with it. 
And on the show, you elab- you elaborated on that none, but took to yeah, Discord right. to say that you felt pressured into Dog, not. Do you saying remember those that episode? No, I actually don't. Here's here's what I remember, Kale. For a hundred and some odd episodes, Phil Casey has shown up and thrown out the hottest takes <laughs> and allowed us to dogpile on him. <laughs> And he has never once shied away from giving his honest opinion. In fact, when he does give a disingenuous opinion, it's one that he doesn't agree with just so we'll give him (laughs) shit and attack him. And you're telling me you couldn't stand up and say, well, I liked it, but I had problems. See, that's ridiculous. Listen, I I have never once, never once claimed to not be a coward. (laughs) (laughs) holy shit (laughs) yeah Tuesday clock number 8 good issue Uh, uh, (laughs) other podcasts uh, whose name doesn't matter other podcasts they bully me me, 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 me. that's you wow yeah man he needs someone to hide behind. He knows Jess wouldn't defend him in that scenario. It's un- oh, it's, for sure. It's unfortunate because if the viewers, if the listeners at home could see Kale's ground, it's just covered in the slime from his underbelly from all the places if, he squirms. If my wife knew the way I acted that day, oh, I would be divorced. I would be on the street. Does your wife know that you're on this Discord? Let's move on. We've dunked on Kale enough for this segment. Um, yeah, we'll do it more later. Wait, wait. Let's do it more later. We were all like the uh, Harlem Globetrotters, and he was like the Washington Generals. It was just not even a game. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Like, <laughs> you're talking about disingenuous bullshit. <laughs> I feel so vindicated now. I'm going into 2019 feeling so good about myself on this podcast. You're like you Buddy, you're soaring. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Real talk. Um, we need to we need to print a disingenuous bullshit T-shirt. Mark, I'll write I, that down. I've in this episode, I've vanquished all my enemies. I am <laughs> I am on cloud nine. I'm leaving 2018 <laughs> with a clean slate. That's right. That means you need a new enemy. <laughs> you and me, Phil. Uh, so the mega powers series exploded. Now... <laughs> That's our 2019 angle. So. Favorite series. Now, I put here that ended in 2018, but I don't want to limit you guys necessarily to that. So if you have an answer that is an ongoing as well, that's fine too. Okay, so for for books that ended this year, um, I would probably say Mr. Miracle. We didn't really get to talk about it much on the show, uh, but Mr. Miracle was 11 issues of really good top-end stuff. And then a single issue of, eh. <laughs> but I don't think that diminishes from the quality that the rest of those issues had because throughout the calendar year, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was only the last issue that I thought the ending didn't stick. Uh, and that opens up a big argument, I guess, about whether or not you think an ending impacts the quality of the rest of the book. I think that's generally true. Uh, but I think because I read Mr. Miracle on a monthly basis, it didn't have as big of an impact for me. If I read it in trade format, I might have been really down on it. However, on books that are still ongoing but largely collected in 2018, I don't think there's any competition. I'm not going to bully you into saying anything, Kale. For me, in my <laughs> yeah, mind, right. shut up. Uh, it is. 
it is doomsday clock i don't know how it could be anything else frankly um the only book i haven't read that i really wanted to read which was only like a one-off thing was ed pisker's uh x-men book that he so did good. oh so yeah good. Second i haven't Genesis. read that yet i really want to i'm sure that'd be up there for me i really appreciate appreciated the premise so i won't speak on that but that's that's my biggest regret i guess for books i did not read this year but all in all, I don't know how Doomsday Clock uh, doesn't top the list of the best uh, commercially viable comic books that came out this year. Marco? I've mentioned it before, but Harrow County is a series that ended uh, this year that was really impactful for me. That opened the door for horror in at least like modern horror comics. And uh, it ended. It was a great run. And... I had a lot of fun with it. It sorely missed. Awesome. Uh, yeah, you shouted that book out a lot this year. It's dope. Oh, wait, Pete. Someone picked it up. Didn't Sarah pick it up? Yeah, my girlfriend Sarah picked it up and uh, read the first volume. She yes. uh, she was a fan. Yes. Nice. What about you, Pete? So uh, I'm glad that you added this caveat because when I was sitting down, I was like, I don't really like have an answer for this. Yeah. So I, I chose to answer it. Um, my own way by choosing my favorite new book of 2018. Oh. And I wanted to give that to, I wanted to give a nod to Fearscape, uh, cool. which is a book I've thoroughly enjoyed throughout. <sighs> um, oh, get out of here. Uh, we've, we've reviewed every episode on the show, um, or every episode, I'm sorry, every issue on different episodes of the show. Uh, so, and you know, we're going to continue it through to its conclusion. And uh, I have really enjoyed the, um, the journey of Henry Henry and uh, it's, it's been probably the most unique book on, uh, on my pull list this year. And uh, that's, that's why I wanted to give it a nod. So if, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, like I said, we've done several reviews, go, go pick it up and uh, support our pal Ryan O'Sullivan and uh, go hear our thoughts on it. Awesome. Kill. Um, yeah. Similar to Pete, I, I had to kind of figure out what, what ended uh this year so that i could worm my way around this question but for me, uh, for me it was uh rock candy mountain oh okay uh it's just just a it's a clever just well-drawn um weird f- journey of a book it's about a a, a hobo and who's being chased by the devil in search of the fabled rock candy mountain. That's like a, it's like a Valhalla for hobos. It's just, it's, it's weird, but it's so good. I I wish there was more, uh, but I'm, I'm actually so glad that there's only two volumes and that it did end this year uh, so that I can uh, just have that little gem of a story. Awesome. Uh, so for myself, uh, for series that ended this year, uh, I would choose Batman White Knight. I thought that that was oh. incredible. Um, and uh, I can't wait to get more in that universe. I encourage anybody and everybody to read it. It's very, very good. And then uh, for series that are ongoing currently, I would choose Doomsday Clock. I, I don't see how there's another answer. Um, it's that damn good. I didn't read Batman White Knight because I don't I, <laughs> Uh, the premise alone, I was like, ah, I don't know. You know, you've been talking so highly about it, and I've seen a lot of positive buzz 
and I just can't get over this initial trepidation. I think I just need to suck it up and actually just read it. Well, uh, whenever I get around to having another uh, another choice in the uh, for the book club, I will be choosing that. So, ah, well, shit, you'll nice. have to read it. Yeah, yeah. Andy from the video game pals is a huge fan of that book as well. It's very good. Uh, so, favorite comic book creator of 20, 2018? I had to give this one to Jeff Johns. Same here. Yeah, like Doomsday Clock is, I think it's it's fantastic. And I went in with, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt, you know, and 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 very low expectations. And, like, he surprised me in, in 2017. And I think, like, you know, the... All of the best issues of the book have been this year, at least in my opinion. And I've I've really enjoyed the ride. And then honestly, uh, picking up his Shazam uh, a couple weeks ago, I was also really into the first issue. I thought it had a really fun, like light feeling and it set up uh, a universe and a cast of characters that I'm interested in getting like to spend time with, you know, and I I like that it's set in Philadelphia. Like overall, <clears throat> that was aside from Martian Manhunter, that was the like ongoing superhero book that I was most interested in this year. So I have to have to give it up for Jeff Johns, man. Which is cool because in general he's not a writer I've had a lot of ex- experience with before because I've just never been a DC guy. So like to go from you know maybe reading one or two things by him to having a year where he was putting out the stuff I enjoyed the most is really cool. Uh, I I can't really dispute either of your choices, but I think it's funny because last year, if I'm not mistaken, uh, both you and Sean said Tom King, and I said Mitch Gerads. In a similar vein, this year you both said Jeff Johns. I'm gonna say Gary Frank. <laughs> That's very fair. And, yeah, solid choice. And he's been absolutely phenomenal this year on Doomsday Clock. Honestly, he's an uh, industry standard for me. He's one of my absolute all-time favorites. Uh, and I have a feeling I'm going to go to Lark here. I have a feeling Liam Sharp is going to be my artist. Is going to be my creator of the year next year. Okay, putting out a prediction as well. All yeah, right. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, because man. Like I, both these guys had an incredible year. GL is uh, ongoing, isn't it? Yes. Uh, twelve issues for now. Oh, is it twelve? Yeah. Oh, okay. They might they might do more. So I, I I threw out Jeff Johns alongside Pete, but given that we both had the same choice, I I just wanted to um, also spread the wealth a little bit here. Yeah. Um. I I really I really wanted to mention uh, Saladin Ahmed because I think that he's yeah. been doing an incredible job on every book that he's been on. Everything that I've read by him has been at least really, really good, and um, that's awesome for somebody who uh, I mean I've only come to know him within the last year, so like 2017, uh, and he's just knocked it out of the park every single time he's been at bat. So that's awesome. And then excuse me for you know uh, going in too much, but I, I also wanted to shout out really quickly Christopher Sabella, who has had an absolutely incredible year. Um, Shanghai Red. He was my breakout town of the year. He was. He was. We'll get to that. Uh, Shanghai Red, absolutely stunningly phenomenal. Um, crowded, very, very, very good as well. He's just been killing it, and so hats off to you. That's all I got. Hell yeah, dude. I respect that a lot. I I, I like the idea of this uh, kind of segment of the end of the year kind of being just a nice little shout-out segment to everyone that's brought us so much joy this year. For sure. Uh, Kale? 
Uh, mine, uh, as I said, I, I would also like to shout out to Chris Sabella, but since uh, since you already did it, uh, mine will be uh, Kyle Higgins. Ooh. Um, oh, yeah. This was his breakout year, you know, for sure. The the Shattered Grid event, um, man, is just, it's everything I've ever dreamed of as uh, a Power Rangers fan. Um, and I just, like, I, I, I tend to get this attitude with um, the Green Ranger, similar to when people talk about Batman. I know I've said this before. Uh, it's Batman. He can do anything because he's Batman. People say the same thing about the Green Ranger. <laughs> my my favorite ranger's Tommy because he's Tommy and he can do he's got the dragon and the shield. Um, but like Kyle Kyle has nailed like why all of that is true and it, he's he's done like a an amazing job at at showcasing um the rest of the Power Rangers as a unit and giving them really true like deep unique personalities um that are all relatable um as well as making Tommy human um and that's something that uh, for me was always missing from the green the green white red black rangers um and yeah shattered grid was just dope as hell i forgot that was this year i, I didn't read it but uh, I thought the idea of turning the Pink Ranger into like an antagonist was pretty dope. Marco, um, for me, it's Ma- Matt Les- Lesniewski. He is a, a super indie artist, but uh, his book has recently been picked up by Ad House. Um, Ad House Books. It's called The Freak, and so he just popped up on my radar again. And and I remembered like earlier this year, he's he quickly became one of my favorite artists because of the way he exaggerates bodies. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at Matt draws comics and it's just like really weird shit. And he has this really unique art style that I just dug and he's been making, he released his first issue on Kickstarter this year. I picked that up, loved it. And then a bunch of people, I guess liked it too. And it got picked up by this place. So uh, just congrats to him. And he's definitely one of the people that I'm uh, I'm watching coming out of 2018 going into 2019. Are you going to awesome. let him use what you said as a pull quote? I could, I guess. He makes some really weird shit. He does, dude. Check, check it out. It's just the proportions to bodies are just odd. Like, they're just elongated. It's some really weird shit. Check it out. Marco of the this, comic uh, spells. <laughs> this, uh, this Judge Dredd is actually really cool. I don't know if you guys can see it. Oh, he's so lanky. Oh my god. <laughs> so, favorite Comics Pals book club episode. So this is the, the book club episode that you guys enjoyed doing the most. Um, and let's let's try to, you know, move it along here. I think you and I are going to say the same thing, Sean. For me, it was Mouse. Yeah, that was mine too, Mouse. That was mine as well. That was the best book club we've done, I, I think. A great pick by number five. Good job, number five. I, really 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 enjoyed that i'm so happy that i read that book honestly and and for what it's worth listeners uh if you haven't listened to that episode or if you haven't read mouse i would do both because um they're not only it's not only the best that the industry has the offer but uh it's the comics pals at its absolute best too my favorite was space writers for reasons we won't discuss here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, space 
Space Riders, my least favorite book to read, my most favorite episode to record. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> Uh, all of the book clubs that we did this year, I think, were pretty hot. So uh, if you haven't given them a listen, I recommend doing so. And let us know which one was your favorite of 2018. Ryan Space Riders. And like always, you can write in write in, and tell us if you want us to review something. So what about your favorite Comics Pals feud? So this is, you know, feuds between us, feuds between, you know, one of us or several of us and people outside the show. Your favorite feud of 2018. My favorite one was absolutely Phil versus Ryan O'Sullivan. (laughs) (laughs) Number one Comics Pals feud of all time. Well, listen, I know talent when I see it, and I know marginal talent when I see it. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Oh, my God. The feud between Ryan and, and Phil is documented in my interview with ryan from new york comic-con 2018 but also in whatever episode it was in which we had ryan on the show um they they have a very interesting uh chemistry with each other and it's been fun to see them kind of trade uh barbs back and forth all in good fun but um thanks ryan for being so cool about it and of course phil to being a jerk i can't wait till it grows to be a romance <laughs> that's next I mean, Phil is lucky that Ryan thinks, like, he's charming or something, because that dude could bounce him like a basketball. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> that guy is tall. I, yeah, I, I, I met him uh, at Thought Bubble on, in 2017 and uh, in Leeds, and yeah, that dude, that dude could step on uh, Phil and not even think about it. If Ryan was there, that's more like Thought Bubble, T-H-O-T, am I right? Oh, God. <laughs> All right, next My up. begins. My favorite feud has been Phil and Pete, specifically Phil wrongly accusing Pete that Venom was not his favorite movie of the year, nor that he was did not have high hopes for it. Vindication is spelled M-A-R-C-O. No, it's My not. dude. How lame. <laughs> 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 Where the sandbags that fit, Marco? Guess, guess who... <laughs> Guess we know who picked all his shit right off the cuff. Um, all, all <laughs> yeah, I'm, Phil. Listen, all I know is my brother and I, we stand arms linked with one another, an impenetrable force of absolute moral correctness. Moral correctness. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Never again. Kale, you, you, really, you really want to tie yourself to him on that one? We're <laughs> yeah. related by blood. Um, so my favorite probably was uh, recently Sean and I got into it over, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. Some disingenuous we re- bullshit. <laughs> we recently got into it over uh, Heroes in Crisis. Um, oh, yeah. That was a good I, episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I really enjoyed that because it, I think, contrary to popular belief, uh, I I do think it was a, a really, like... What's genuine? You didn't know the full of genuine bullshit. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I think we were both uh, as earnest as we could be, just really going back and forth. uh, You know, on this book. Also, that that episode very well might not be worth it. (laughs) You know, admittedly, (laughs) but (laughs) (laughs) that episode proved, Kill, that you have the capability of expressing a dissenting opinion yeah, i'm still i'm still dipping my toes into that water so uh yeah 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 um 
that was that was fun. Uh, even though it sounds like we're at each other's throats, maybe uh, that on that one, I certainly wasn't even remotely mad. I uh, I had oh, a blast. No. Yeah, it was good. It and and I think that's that that's why it wasn't like it was a, a real one. It was just a disagreement about the book. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Uh. Phil. Uh, I guess my favorite feud of the year was Pete versus the Spider Verse. <laughs> As we all know, back when that book was being uh, published, uh, or when this movie was announced, probably, um, Pete had some objections to it. You see, where he said things like, "I don't think there should be one more than one Spider-Man in the same place," and. I don't think Miles Morales and Peter Parker should exist at the same time in the same place. And I couldn't help but notice that Pete did a 180 after Into the Spider-Verse came out. Sorry, Pete. Can't help you on this one. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. I am happy to be wrong. There you go. See, listeners at home, like Pete, you can all trust in my opinion. So uh, my answer is also uh, Phil V. Pete. Uh, I enjoyed so much their their feud and rivalry this year. <laughs> I think it brought it brought me great joy, and I think it brought great content to the show. And I think um, I think uh, Phil is a very very proper foil for Pete, and I enjoy. Phil, uh, <laughs> I enjoy watching Pete squirm a little. I'm Bugs Bunny. He's Daffy Duck. Phil and I are the most Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck duo <laughs> in comic book podcasting. Now that I dispatched of this foe, it's time for the mega powers to explode. Sean, I, I thought when you said uh, delivering content, uh, I thought you were going to say delivering it from the east. <laughs> Straight from the east. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> express. <laughs> And then our last uh, best of question is favorite comic book movie. This is one that uh, I'm very excited to talk about. And um, I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say. So fire off. So uh, to jump off of Phil's uh, ribbing of me, Into the Spider-Verse was my favorite uh, movie this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 1,000%. Yep. Thank you, Sony Pictures. And... Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I couldn't. I, it's, it's funny because this movie across the board was a surprise for me. You know, um, I definitely didn't have an initially positive reaction to the announcement. I did tr- get turned around on it after that first trailer because I really liked the style of it. But style aside, I wasn't expecting the movie to be for me. You know, I was expecting it to be aimed at a younger generation. I was expecting to like it um, for what it was, but not necessarily to love it. And it really, really made an impact on me. I thought it was an excellent, excellent movie. And it really made me have a change of heart about the broader spider family, I guess. Um, And realizing the value of taking the message um, of of Spider-Man and applying it to multiple characters who speak to different people and different generations. And uh, that, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's, a, that movie did a lot of heavy lifting for me as a Spider-Man fan and was also just a damn good, 
uh, animated film, you know? So I, uh, I have to give it to that one. And I, I think I've said this before, but I've never been happier to be wrong. <laughs> um, you also said that about Venom. Yeah, but this is better than that. <laughs> um, and Venom, really and Venom was the movie of the year before this. That's true. Uh, are you going to go back and read Dan Slott's Spider-Man? You asked me this before, and I... Uh, jury's out. <laughs> if you're if you're looking to actually read the Spider-Verse event because of this movie, it's not worth it. I'm not. I, I won't do that. I will not, not do yet. that. It, you're, you will be sorely disappointed. Uh, for, for me, just on that same wavelength, uh, Spider-Verse really... Um, I, I said in our group chat, uh, I felt Peter B. Parker like in my soul, <laughs> and, it's, and it's it's not it's not just that I'm like a slacker has been. It's that uh, it's that like I like I'm a Spider Man fan, but it's just like for me, I've been a Spider Man fan for so long that everything that's come out has felt uh, very samey. Um. And just like in 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 the film, like at the at the end of it, you know, Peter Peter B. Parker wakes up and he's like, "I gotta be a new person, uh, man." Like that woke up my Spider Man fandom, and I I want more of something. Did you have a similar revelation, Kill? Did you finally decide to be a better person? Well, I decided to be a better Spider Man. So, uh, what about you, Marco? For me, Batman the Ninja. Really? That really? did come out this year. It came out this year, and that shit was cool. Uh, I was looking it up. It was supposed to have come out on Netflix, but they lied because it's not I on think, Netflix I think now. It is, uh, I think it is here. Oh, international maybe? Yeah, let me, I'm going to double check that, but I think it is. Because I just came across an article that said it was supposed to drop on Batman Day. Um, on when the fuck is Batman Day? October 26th. Yeah, it passed us by. Uh, I think it's dope as hell that you chose that, though, for what it's worth. Did you watch it in Japanese or English? Is that Japanese. a dumb question? That is yeah, a dumb question. A dumb question. <laughs> All right, Phil. Um, hmm. When we think... Uh, it is it is available uh, internationally. So. God damn it. When we think back on the moments that defined our time, you remember one major motion picture. A talkie, too, at that. The movie that defined our entire cultural zeitgeist penetrated us. You better hurry up, man. <laughs> symbiote. The greatest movie of the year is Venom. I've got, like, lunch plans. Come on. The best superhero movie of the year was Infinity War. I don't think there's anything that comes close to it. Um, it was a lot. In, in a way that really... 18 major motion pictures paramounted into one film so eloquently and so elegantly that I think it's quite possibly the best MCU film made. Period. And it was a good year for superhero movies because Black Panther came out, and that's another movie that's clearly in the top five best superhero uh, Marvel movies of the year. Uh, They have only gotten better these mcu films uh because they really dipped somewhere in the middle um for my money i felt the most emotion watching this movie uh than any other superhero movie and uh maybe since the dark knight i really don't know this movie uh made an impact 
It was a fantastic film. Awesome. Yeah, I've really, really waffled for a while between uh, Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther. Um, Even now, to this moment, I, I still don't feel confident, but I think I have to say Black Panther, and not because I feel obligated to, but because I have not and probably will not ever feel how I felt sitting in that movie theater watching that movie, and there's nothing that can replicate that. I think... Uh, Infinity War is probably like objectively better, maybe. But Black Panther had my heart, and uh, so for that reason, it has to it has to be my favorite of the year. And uh, listeners, uh, we we pressured Sean to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be on a certain Discord later on talking about how uh, my real answer was uh, Ant Man and the Wasp. I would listen. Yeah, I know you're joking. I would fucking love that. <laughs> Some true. Shout out to the MCU finally figuring out their uh, movie villains because Killmonger and Thanos were both just exceptional villains. Absolutely. All right. So um, now we're going to get into our predictions for 2019. But I do want to refer back to the predictions from 2018. Oh, boy. Because we did do this last year and I and I want to see how right or wrong we all were. So the first question was, will Ben Affleck leave Batman? Phil, Pete, and Marco said yes. Kale and I said no. The no's have it. Ben Affleck never formally announced he was leaving Batman. No one ever formally announced he was leaving Batman. The closest we got was insurers in the film industry saying that they didn't think that Ben Affleck could be insured for the role after he was admitted into uh, therapy for his drinking addiction. And it sure seems like they're trying to squeeze him out. So, well... That, that may be the case, but uh, for now, you're going to have to take this L, Phil. Uh, what comic book movie will you enjoy most this year? Uh, myself and Pete chose Infinity War, and obviously neither one of us uh, feel that way here. Uh, Kill and Marco <laughs> chose Slam Deadpool dunk. 2, and Phil chose Venom, so none of us were right no, on how I we was, would feel. I, I was right on that one. Venom was the best movie of the year. Yeah, hey, was I was I high? I know, dude. Like Deadpool 2? What the That surprised fuck? me too, man. Was I high? Uh, will Marvel publish new Fantastic Four books? We all said yes. We're all correct. Um, will the Comics Pals interview Grant Morrison, Tom King, or Scott Snyder? Everybody but me said yes, and everybody but me was wrong. <laughs> we were so close. 2019, baby! <laughs> we were real close on all of those, weren't we? Uh, Morrison we didn't interact with this year, uh, King, we were pretty close to, and Snyder, we didn't have a shot at this year. Both of them, we had a shot in 2017, is what you're thinking of. But yeah, Tom King, we came real close with this yeah. year. Um, what comic book creator will break through in 2018? Uh, Phil said Christopher Sabella. Nice. I'll give him that. that one for sure. I said Matthew Rosenberg. Pete said Isaac Goodhart. Uh, Marco chose Jordan Gibson and Kale chose Tom King. I think that Phil was the most right. Uh, and I would say I I, I kind of want to say I was the second most right because I feel like Tom King's stop has, stock has I fallen think so. a bit this year. Yeah, I, I would also agree with that. But uh, I would also I would also Mar- Marco uh, has a case too because uh, Jordan did those sick uh, Shattered Grid covers for uh, uh, Death oh, that's series right. and, and they were hot fire. And he's drawn. He was coloring a Spider-Man book, I think. Yeah, I was gonna say. I know he did some work on Spider-Man as well. So I wouldn't say that he like broke through, but it was definitely like a, a step up. Bigger optics. Yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, I think, uh, you know, I've proven. I know what I'm talking about. I was the most right uh, in 2018. So, thank you. I'll accept my I'll accept my recognition anytime, guys. I can't see you all the way down here from the bottom of the hill. Oh, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, now it must be lonely on the top, Sean. <laughs> it is. Uh, we'll 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 do our predictions here for 2019, and we'll refer back to this spot next year to see uh, how wrong I'll be this time around. Is it the same questions? <laughs> no, no. Uh, will Ben Affleck leave Batman? Is our first question. I still say no. I'm gonna say no. Uh, I'm 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 gonna hedge here, and I'm gonna say no as well because my thinking is. He's in Batman Purgatory. No. Yes. No. Shut up, Marco. Okay. All right. Marco just wanted to be the dissenting opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, now if he's right, he's going to look like a genius. Yep. So. <laughs> Will we see any of the Fox characters in a Marvel movie? That means they have to appear in a movie that is releasing this year under the Marvel banner, Dark Phoenix, and the Mutants do not count. No. 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 I would be very surprised. Uh, if they do, or it'll be during Endgame. So no or during Endgame. No, so you gotta yes. be more specific. Then that's a yes, because if they appear during Endgame, then that's a yes. No, it's a caveat. How much kind of, if, they're, if they're in the movie, they're in the movie. No, but. Oh, Christ. There's no caveats. There are no asterisks. Well, I gave it one, so. Nah, write down yes. I will. Pete, did you? I'm thinking. All right. That's dangerous. <laughs> Well, because man, my boy is troubled over this question. (laughs) (laughs) Man, those hamster wheels are spinning. Well, because I'm trying to think of the timeline of how Captain Marvel worked with. (laughs) Because Captain Marvel is back in the '90s. She's trapped in the '90s. I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. All right. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes because I. I, But I. I believe it'll be a post-credit scene. All right. Uh, I suppose that's possible. Will Sony and Marvel's... Like, I didn't just say that shit. All right, but the difference is that you're saying that that's a caveat, that's an answer other than yes. Pete just said yes. Well, Pete's a coward. What? No, he answered the question. Yeah, you're the one that's a coward, motherfucker. You're the one who won't answer the question. the bold. Shit, Kale's going to be the the heel of 2019. (laughs) He's the heel of 2018, believe me. Will Sony and Marvel's Spider-Man deal end in 2019? No. no way. No. Too much money. No way. I would have said no. Not in 2019. I might have said no. That, why would they even care now? They have a lucrative animation uh, yeah, series. Yeah, this, uh, this, this is... Too mutually like, beneficial. Yeah. So this is what, as it is now, right? Like. Right, yeah. Yeah. Which comic book movie will you enjoy most? I have a list here. Thank you. So we've got um, Captain Marvel, Shazam, Hellboy... Avengers Endgame, Dark Phoenix, Spider-Man Far From Home, The New Mutants, Joker, Birds of Prey, Bloodshot, Gambit, and Wonder Woman 1984, and Alita Battle Angel. Man, a lot. Oh, what the yeah, f- that is coming out. Fuck. Also Glass. <laughs> That's true. Glass oh, yeah. I'm just kidding. That's um, not a comic book? I know. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Oh, okay. It's a superhero movie, though. All right. I'll go first. I, uh, first of all, I think like at least three or four of those movies aren't coming out, namely Gambit, uh, Dark Phoenix, New Mutants, wow. etc. Yeah, those but, were on the list last year. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Dark Phoenix now has a trailer, though, right? 
It has multiple it, trailers. It's had a trailer. It's been yeah, it's had a trailer for a while, yeah. Uh for me, I am going to say Joker. I Same. am very excited about that movie and I I think that's going to be the cape movie of the year. Oh gosh, um, I, I'm sorry by the way. Uh, Wonder Woman, Gambit, Bloodshot, and Birds of Prey are not on that list. Those are 2020. Sorry about that. Okay. Okay. Um, I will give a special shout out, and I know this is, doesn't count, but uh, I'm sure Endgame will be phenomenal as well. Uh, same as uh, same as Phil. Like Joker's the the movie to be to keep an eye out for. I think. All right. For me, I'm I'm leaning towards Endgame. But I think there's a real chance for um, either Shazam or Spider-Man to be an upset for that for me. Because obviously a good Spider-Man movie is always going to get bonus points for me. Um, So if they nail it, uh, that's something that's going to obviously be on my radar. I'm really, really hot on the, the promotional stuff for Shazam so far as well. So like I think those are definite contenders. But I... I want my official guest to be Avengers Four because I think it's going to be, I I think it's going to be really shocking to me if the con- the culmination of all this work isn't something that's like really really moving, and um, yeah, so that's 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 the one I'm going to go on record for. I'm going to go with Endgame as well. There's no chance in my mind that this movie doesn't destroy. Uh, Infinity War was the first half of this, and that movie was jaw-dropping, and normally I like the way things end more than I like how they begin, so um, I I can't see a a scenario where I'm not over the moon about this film. Uh, It was amazing that they killed off so many characters in that movie. Yes, yes it was. It was really bold. Kale? Man, I, I wish I could say Avengers 4. I really do. I... I could not get into Avengers three. I just, for me, it just wasn't very good. Um. Uh. So I think I'm gonna. Uh, I and I'm very trepidatious about this, but I think I'm gonna say Shazam. Okay. No votes for Captain Marvel. Very surprising. It's my number two. Okay. Um, it, for me, I think if it works really well, I think it'll be just fucking amazing. I. Not that I think it'll be, uh, you know, a Black Panther success, but I think it could be up there in the top, you know, the top tier of whatever these films are. But I just don't want to take that bet. Fair enough. Will the Comics Pals do more Grant Morrison book club episodes? The answer is yes. <laughs> yes. No. Uh... <laughs> We'll probably do like four. Uh, How many will we do? I like that. Uh, none. Okay, well, you're 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 easily wrong. Marco, help me do the math here. How many episodes do I host this year? Uh, none now. <laughs> <laughs> we're probably like we're probably gonna do claws again, right? Like, <laughs> oh, well, the sequel? We might. I'm gonna oh, say three. Oh shit! I'm gonna go with. Three. Are we actually guessing the number? Yeah, let's do it. I- Cause yeah, cause Phil will pick at least one. Ryan will probably write in with another one. <laughs> I, I was gonna say two. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll go two. All right. Well, I'm going with Sh- I'm, the smart money's on betting with Sean. I'm going for three. I'm gonna manipulate it, so I'm gonna. It's gonna be three. Fine, I'll manipulate it. It'll be four. <laughs> 
Will Doomsday Clock stick the landing? Yes. That's the yes. burning question. I say yes. Uh, with what John's been bringing, I think so. I say yes. Now, is that a genuine opinion or is that... No, it's it's disingenuous bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the last question is, what comic book creator will break out in 2019? I, I'll jump since it seems like you guys need some time. Uh, this is tough because I think there are two really good answers here. Um, well, I mean, there's probably others, but two that stick out of my mind. I, I think uh, Salad and Ahmed, and I think Donny Cates. And between the two of those people, I, I'm, it's, it's tough, but I'm going with Donny Cates. I think Donny Cates is a brilliant writer, so Saladin, but I think Donny Cates, what he has is he has a writing style that feels very epic and it lends itself well to events. So I think Donny Cates will get an event and I think he's going to showcase his talents on the biggest stage. Is Donny Cates not... I feel like Donny Cates is already sort of like a name, like not one that necessarily has to break through. Yeah, well, maybe he goes to C tier to B tier, though, you know? We Well, we had Tom King last year and I think Tom, at that time Tom Tom King was... You could, you could say... I think he was like A tier. I think the, the argument was like to go to the next X-tier. level. Gotcha, and I would gotcha. say Donny Cates is B tier. I think he goes to A tier. Okay. I am going to say Plaid Klaus. Oh. Oh. I think he had a big year this year, and I think that trajectory is only going to go up further. You know what? Similar to that, I think I'll say Ryan O'Sullivan. Yep. Um, Damn it. Because I think, uh, I think Fearscape is, it is a real showcase in. Uh, playing with with words and creating worlds that um i think are are gonna be uh you know with the way that series plays out i think it's uh it's gonna be very beneficial to him yeah i agree 30 definitely got a lot more attention on his writing what do you uh what are you gonna say though pete i actually was gonna go with uh saladin and med as well because i think that um the fact that he's taking on the two most notable modern marvel characters in the same year and especially coming off of spider-verse um with which i think has had a renewed interest in miles morales i think his star is about to be on the rise in a big way because i don't know about you guys um but after spider-verse i was like oh i really want to read solid Ahmed's miles stuff when does that come out it already came out in december and i went to all my lcs's and they have no copies left yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, and not because they didn't have them. They had a ton. They're just all sold out. Yeah. So uh, I I think the smart money is on him because, like, he he's already, like, garnered a lot of respect for the quality of his writing. And I think now he's going to be on projects that people are actually paying attention to. So... And especially because neither of these characters has ever been written by somebody else, there's already an increased attention being paid to them. So I think like all those things are just gonna result in a perfect storm of people giving his writing more attention than they normally have. Marco, did you go? I'm gonna say Carl Stevens. He's a he's largely a cartoonist, um, but he came out with his graphic novel, The Winner, this year, and it was phenomenal. And it it was a winner. It, it was it was a winner, and he's also doing some cartoons. He's doing a strip uh, on the on New Yorker, 
and he's preparing to release his next graphic novel. Um, and based on what we saw with the or what I saw with the first one and with some of the press he got out of that, I, I think he's going to be a bigger star and sort of like more the indie stuff. Awesome. So those are our predictions for 2019. Uh, like I said, we'll check back this spot and so should you at the end of the year to see how right or wrong we all were. Um, and if you want to get in on the game, of course you can answer uh, these questions as well. You can send them our way uh, at the comicspals at gmail.com or you can hit us up uh, on social media at the comics pals. If you want to write in with your thoughts on this or any other episode of the show, um, and of course, if you want to write in with a you know buy or sell, a random question of the week, if you want to write in with a book club suggestion, there's plenty of things that you can reach out to talk to us about. We love interacting with you guys, so uh, feel free to hit us up. And um, yeah, let's, uh, let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can come talk to me about uh, any of the stuff we discuss on this or any other episode of the show. If you want to get some more content from me, you can find me on our sister show, The Video Game Pals, where I am the host along with Sean. And, uh, you know, as as you might have guessed, we do a show where we talk about video games. What? Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, you can also find uh, me in our Let's Play series, Pals Play, with Thompson from the Video Game Pals over on the Video Game Pals YouTube channel. We have taken a short break for the holidays, but we'll be back in January with uh, some brand new stuff uh, in a couple things in a brand new format. So you can look forward to that. Uh, we're going to be playing a couple of the games we missed uh, at the end of the year, and uh, we have a couple, you know, couple, couple cool things on the horizon. So you're gonna want to tune in for that shit. Go give the the channel a subscribe, and uh, if you want to find some of my other work, you can uh, head over to looppots.com where I uh, I do news reviews and uh, host their weekly Nintendo podcast, the Potscast. So if you haven't been able to get enough uh, of me talking about video games on the Video Game Pals, you can go get all that nitty gritty Nintendo goodness over there. Uh, I just did an article about the new comic reader app on the nintendo switch called inky pen so uh if you're interested in reading comics on your nintendo switch go give that a read yeah it was super helpful uh i got a chance to look at it so definitely check it out if you're interested in that thank you kale thanks again for joining us for another year of the comics pals uh we don't know why you're here but we're glad you are you can find me at toto into that's t-o-t-o-i-n-t-o-w uh, you can find my books, uh, The Storeworm and The Finman, on Comixology under Panels Publishing. You can also uh, order digital copies um, on our Selfie store at selfie.com slash panels publishing. Get The Finman. Very good. Look at that, Marco. You can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, please talk to me about all the weird shit that's out there. Uh, I love... All uh, the weird shit. All the weird <laughs> shit. I love that. Uh, anything in anime, anything in ma- and manga, anything in comics, anything in music, let me know. Definitely down for a discussion. Uh, so bring it on. Cool, Phil. From all of us to all of you, thank you for listening to our humble podcast this year. It certainly came a long way since episode one where I used to insult the listeners. <laughs> Yeah, that's Kale's shtick now. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <clears throat> no, but seriously, thank you for listening this year. Uh, we look forward to uh, making more great Comics Pals episodes in 2019. 
uh, and we hope you stick around for the long haul. As for me, you can find me at all social media platforms at Cyborg Bebop. Uh, you can talk to me about whatever you want there. Um, on Instagram, uh, I've been posting a lot of uh, holiday pictures. And uh, for what it's worth, I hope everyone had a nice holiday as well. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to echo those sentiments and say uh, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, it means a lot. And, you know, we wouldn't do it if it wasn't for you guys uh, for certain um so thank you for all the likes all the comments all the interactions everything that you guys have done um uh, to make this feel worthwhile uh um you know we we really appreciate it uh, as for me i'm on twitter and instagram at sean soapbox come talk to me about your favorite things about 2018 and what you're looking forward to in 2019 with that we're the comics pals signing off take care guys See you next year. See you tomorrow. That's accurate. We will see you tomorrow in the video game house.